The British pound crashes to an all-time low against the US dollar. That came after the UK government drastically cut taxes to fight inflation. What's the fallout for an already struggling economy both in the UK and outside? I'm Hazem Seeker, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now. In London, we have Vicky Price, Chief Economic Advisor at the Centre for Economics and Business Research. In Dublin, Brian Lucy, Professor of International Finance and Commodities at Trinity Business School. And also in London, Jonathan Liz, a journalist and political commentator. Good to have you all with us. So, um, Vicky Price, let me start with you. Uh, it's being called trussonomics, these, these uh, um, tax cuts. Uh, named after the, the, the new British Prime Minister. Um, clearly, they haven't gone down well with the financial markets. Why is that? The real problem has been that uh, uh, the Chancellor, who is newly appointed, of course, by Liz Truss, the new Prime Minister, um, announced a mini-budget, if you want to call it that, which wasn't very mini at all, but actually in- introduced tax cuts to the tune of £45 billion pounds, which is the biggest uh, size of tax cuts that we've seen since 1972, and it made people worry about the inflationary impact of this, but also how that injection into the economy, if you like, would be funded. So what happened, of course, as a result, not only did sterling suffer because there were concerns that the inflationary element would be quite significant of those uh, new measures, But also, of course, bond markets reacted very negatively and we've seen yields rise very significantly. In other words, the interest rates that people want to have if they are prepared to lend to the UK government, they've risen to over 4%. And that's huge because if you remember just a year ago, yields on 10-year government bonds were below 1% and now we are above 4%. That's a very substantial increase in interest rates, which is going to be felt throughout the economy because loads and loads of long-term rates are based on those yields. Why is this affecting the pound so much? Why why, why has the pound fallen so precipitously in, in the last few days? Well, the one reason, of course, is that inflation now looks to be a little bit higher. Now, remember, of course, that we had a uh, a budget, a mini-budget, which not only, of course, uh, injected this extra money into the economy, but also gave the amount of money that would be needed for an electricity price freeze, which was introduced also by the new government. Um, But, of course, we hadn't heard some of the details. Now, that electricity price freeze itself should be bringing inflation down quite significantly by possibly 4 percentage points. So the Bank of England was quite right to raise interest rates by just 50 basis points the day before. That was September 22nd. The markets didn't like it very much because everyone else has been raising interest rates recently by 0.75%. But nevertheless, I think it made sense because those were the inflationary projections that were now being made. Then you added uh, the real worry of um, this unfunded budget and all the money that would be coming into the economy, fueling inflation again. So what the markets decided was that actually that interest rate increase wasn't sufficient because now you have once again an increase in inflationary expectations because of that. So the pound suffered because there wasn't an underpinning interest rate support, if you like, to keep the the currency up. And that's why they punished the pound. Brian, Lucy, what does this mean for the rest of the world as well, for for the companies that do business um, uh, with the UK and for, for others w- that want to uh, invest there in the future? 
I think if you were a company that was selling into the UK, um, you've, you've got a problem with, with uh, depreciation in the sense that it makes stuff more expensive for people in the UK. But the nature of the tax cuts is incredibly skewed. And it really is the case that this is wonderful if you're selling caviar, high quality leather goods, or uh, other forms of uh, consumption for, for, the, for the very rich. The vast majority of people in the UK aren't going to see any benefit from these tax cuts, uh, except as Vicky has said, in terms of inflation. So overall, I would say this makes, for, for a number of reasons, the UK a less attractive place to do business. The big problem is not the particular issues. I mean, governments fiddle around with tax cuts and interest rate changes happen all the time. The difficulty is that there seems to be a degree of incoherence and even bordering on incompetence around what's going on. And that doesn't foster, uh, that doesn't foster any degree of, of credibility. For the last six, seven years, the UK has been looking like an increasingly uh, economically incoherent outfit, uh, starting from Brexit, then through the negotiations, which resulted in about the hardest Brexit chart of the World Trade Organization, which is still something desired by the intellectuals, as it were, behind uh, the Tory party, through now um, a, a series of, of, of events which have, you know, undercut the, uh, the Bank of England's inflation-fighting efforts. And we know from bitter experience in the 1970s and, and early 80s that in the long term, inflation is, you know, very destructive of a country's uh, well-being. So it's... It's kind of strange that you've got a chancellor who has a PhD, uh, which was on the uh, a, a UK sterling crisis in the 17th century, who has found himself in his first actions, arguably precipitating the sterling crisis. It has to be remembered that much though the UK uh, government might think sterling is not really the world's reserve currency, that's the dollar. And while it is highly desired and highly demanded and held as a reserve asset, liquid reserves by the Bank of England, should they be so desirous as intervening directly in the foreign exchange markets, are very, very limited. Uh, the Financial Times today estimates that they are approximately $100 uh, billion, uh, which is really a drop in the ocean when you consider how much sterling is traded. So it's not the individual elements. It's the death by a thousand cuts of the myth of uh, the Tories as being a party of good economic competence that I think will be the long-run problem here. Jonathan, Liz, this is being seen as a huge political gamble for the new British Prime Minister. And whenever a new leader comes into the job, their political capital is normally at its highest. So has Liz Truss essentially put down all her chips on this? Liz Truss has staked the entire house uh, on this political gamble. And by any measure, she has lost. Uh, as you say, is it not, is it not too early to say that? Well, it wasn't in Liz Truss's plan uh, to crash the pound, I presume. It wasn't in Liz Truss's plan to have an emergency statement by the Bank of England suggesting that they might have to uh, raise interest rates before uh, the next scheduled meeting of the Monetary Policy Committee. And I don't think it could have been in Liz Truss's plans 
uh, to see soaring interest rates, which are going to see uh, mortgage rates increase by several hundred pounds for um, homeowners with mortgages, who, let's not forget, are one of the bases of the Tory party. Uh, they're the voter base. They're uh, actually the demographic which uh, turned much of the North and Midlands for the Conservative Party in 2019. And so this is a political as well as an economic disaster. And I suppose that investors are a bit like predators in horror films. They kind of, they can sense panic. Uh, they, can, they can see when people don't exactly know what they're doing. And at the moment, both the government and the Bank of England are in a position of extreme weakness, not least because they are pulling the levers in different directions. The government is trying to accelerate the economy, whereas the Bank of England is putting a firm break on it by raising interest rates. And investors can see there is no coherence in that plan. And as a result, they are taking fright and taking sterling out with them. Yeah, let's talk a, bit, a little bit more about that clash between the government and, and, and the Bank of England and their priorities, yeah. because um, the Bank of England, like many countries in the world, does enjoy a certain uh, level of independence. They can set the interest rates. Uh, with this sort of growth-focused goal of, of Liz Truss, is it fundamentally at odds with, with the inflation-fighting mission of, of, of the Bank of England? Well, I would agree that there is a bit of a schizophrenic um, existence right now between uh, the government and the Bank of England. The Bank of England is indeed, as you rightly say, independent, although there had been some hints during the um, campaigns for deciding the new Tory leader. Uh, the Liz Truss was uh, questioning the independence of uh, the central bank, or at least some aspects of it. Um, now, that independence is very important, but, of course, the remit that they have, which is given to them by the government, by the Chancellor, is to keep inflation at 2% target, if they can. Now, of course, that target has been hugely exceeded uh, in reality, in the sense that we now have 10% inflation or thereabouts, but it's no dissimilar to what's happening in the US, what's happening in, uh, in quite a lot of other countries, uh, including, of course, in continental Europe overall. So the ECB is also having this particular problem. And in fact, if you look at some of the countries in Europe, uh, particularly those that are bordering Russia, we've had inflation of over 20% for you know, quite a few months now. So uh, there is no doubt that we've got a problem if uh, whatever you're trying to do on the fiscal front is negated by what happens on the financial front. And uh, the, the way in which the government has gone about trying to get more growth inevitably led to this reaction uh, in terms of interest rates, not just what the Bank of England does, but also, more importantly, I think, what's happening in the bond markets. So interest rates going up is, as Jonathan was suggesting, you know, pretty, pretty uh, dreadful for a number of, of individuals, of course, for a very large number of households, uh, but also it will be pretty bad for business, uh, which uh, have just been quite happy to see a bit of relief on the energy front, even though it's short term and we'll see what happens next. Uh, and now are being hit by this. And it's not at all surprising that all the data we already have in terms of consumer confidence and business confidence um, has tended to move downwards. And I think what's been happening in the last few days it will move it downwards even further. So uh, how the whole thing will be resolved, uh, of course, is a question mark. But I have to say, it, this is not the only country where this is happening, but it has been shown in a more vivid form because of this mini-budget, which was unexpected in its, in its size and which the markets indeed believe is unfunded and therefore posing loads of problems for the economy. Brian, Lucy, what's your take on this? This uh, 
sort of conflict between the, 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 the government and the Bank of England and their, their mixed priorities? Uh, it's not mixed priorities. These are absolutely orthogonal priorities. The only way in which this can work is if the economy grows through these massive tax cuts. And this is Reaganomics in 1992 with the ghost of the Laffer curve and trickle-down economics, which is just bunkum. I mean, this is voodoo economics, as George Bush famously once called it, before proceeding to keep implementing it. The one thing that Reagan, Reaganomics did was to absolutely balloon out the UK, the US national debt. And uh, doing, doing the same now for a medium-sized economy uh, facing significant problems already is, as was said, not just betting the house, but betting the children's houses. The logical end game here for the UK government is to reduce the independence of the Bank of England. Now, I don't think that's economically sensible at all, but that is the logical end game. Uh, you, could, you can see the story where they say, look, the Bank of England are shackling our uh, ability to grow the economy through aggressive tax cuts and restructuring. Therefore, we must reduce their independence because interest rate rises are a bad thing in this context. That's politically sensible, politically coherent, but ends up economically in an incredibly bad place. And I think the UK is in danger of that because what we are not seeing, we have not seen for the last seven years is economic technocratic sensible decisions. We've seen in increasingly frenzied ideological decisions driving, the, driving economic outcomes. And there's no evidence that that appetite for uh, ideological based economics is uh, being reduced in any way. In fact, if anything, it has become into sharper focus with the election by 83,000 people, uh, very un unrepresentative of the UK population, of uh, an extremely right-wing, economically right-wing government. Uh, Jonathan Liz, how do the conservative, does the Conservative government recover from this politically, from the political fallout over this? Because the optics of this uh, on the surface certainly don't appear to be good. You know, this tax cuts... Uh, that the, mostly the richest people will benefit from in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis, energy crisis, and so on? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, that they have sabotaged themselves politically. And I suppose the bigger point is that this actually wasn't an economic measure on Friday. This wasn't an economic mini-budget. This was a political act. This was motivated by politics more than economics, which is why uh, economists uh, were condemning it and markets uh, were, were, were voting with their feet because it made no sense economically. Uh, Liz Truss says that her um, overriding ambition is to promote growth. But the moves that she made, or the moves that she and her chancellor have made, are not going to promote growth. And some of the some of the headline uh, the headline the bills, such as uh, to to remove the 45p uh, additional rate of tax on the most wealthy people in society, and to lift the EU cap on bankers' bonuses, which was introduced after the financial crash are not going to promote growth really at all. Evidence suggests that those measures won't really affect growth either way, but they are political measures to chime with a hard right conservative ideology uh, which favours the rich, particularly in, in the eyes of, of Labour cliches of conservative thinking. But the Conservatives are walking into that cliché, uh, favours the rich of the rich and allows the super rich to benefit most from tax cuts, um, leaving uh, the poorest with almost no benefits 
whatsoever. So that is the kind of the, the policy platform which Truss has now firmly planted on the British electoral terrain. And I don't see why she's done something so deliberately, how she can reverse it, because no one forced her into that position. She has chosen that of her own volition entirely. And so I don't see how she suddenly decides to reverse that. And more to the point, I don't think she wants to reverse that. And that really is a gift for the Labour Party because they can show that the Conservatives really are a Thatcherite party in times where Thatcherism is not the cure for any condition. And so if the Labour Party just talks about bankers' bonuses and tax cuts for the richest, they really can walk through the next election without too many problems. And I don't see how trust recovers at all. Her party may decide to get rid of her before the election. Uh, Vicky Price, is there is there any way to... For, for, uh, to, to recover from this? I mean, if, if the, the financial markets stabilise over the next few days and the, 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 the pound uh, uh, at least stops falling the way it has, what do you think could happen uh, further down the road? Well, it's interesting, you know, what room for manoeuvre is there? I mean, the interesting thing is that quite a lot of the route in the markets that we have seen, so the, the rise in yields, the... Uh, the concerns of the markets about the debt um, and the expectations maybe that the Bank of England would do an emergency interest rate hike, which they didn't do in the end, they said they'll wait until November, uh, has also been caused by the fact that the Chancellor announced just a couple of days after the mini-budget that there will be more tax cuts to come. And I think that's what, uh, if you like, sent the pound falling uh, even faster. But, of course, you're quite right, it's sort of recovered, and I think they're hoping that maybe the markets will forget about this for a while. But we can't get away from the fact that the pound has already fallen very significantly this year. It's gone down by between 20 and 30 percent just from the beginning of January on revised expectations, as we were hearing earlier, about the growth prospects for the economy. We are at the bottom, if you like, of the G7 league in terms of growth, it seems. And uh, the forecast which just appeared from the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, uh, look at various countries in Europe which may be in recession next year. And those are Germany, Italy and the UK. Uh, a bit earlier, it was almost only the UK. Uh, but now, of course, because of gas concerns and rationing, okay. we've seen the other countries added as well. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks very much uh, to uh, all three of you, Vicky Price, Brian, Lucy and Jonathan Liz. Thanks very much. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohammed Elaishi, Leah Harding and Abdurrahman Warsami and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Andre Westhazen, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday.